Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, moxie, and tonight, a mini-bop all about Marvel Studios' newest blockbuster, Captain Marvel. I'm your host, Cody, and joining me are my co-hosts and, most likely, Skrull Invaders that should be exterminated. Mike, if that is your real name, say hello. Why was there a Viking in space? I mean, we already had Thor, so we've had, like, ninjas and Vikings and, uh musketeers in space already so but, why, why but, not but thor is aryan why was there a blue viking man in space <laughs> oh you maybe racist. he's an otaku blue racist i've had enough of you uh and also say hello jamie my mother also calls me fury <laughs> it's an alternate universe where everyone is actually named fury that's why captain marvel was so confused by that <laughs> Is that, is that where Jackson dusted away to at the end of Infinity War? <laughs> He's going to be in Furyland. <laughs> Into the Furyverse. I love the reveal that any time in a previous movie anyone ever called him Nick, he was pissed off. <laughs> That's the kind of retcon I want in my mind. And suspected films. that they were scrolls every single time. <laughs> and when he blamed Thor when, for why he was making weapons using the Tesseract. He was lying because of scrolls. He just decides I, to blame the whitest man in the room. And really, can you blame him? Aryan bastard. You you are just doubling down on the hatred for the Aryan race in this episode. I mean, I approve, but it's a little unexpected. uncalled for. Unexpected. I feel empowered thanks to Captain Marvel against the Aryans. Okay, one one thing I need to do because it's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I need to read numbers out loud on the internet, so I'm, I'm going to take a second to uh, let's just let's just talk some box office tallies here. So, over opening weekend, Captain Marvel brought in uh, this is estimated might be adjusted come Monday, uh, 153 million dollars domestically, and uh, internationally that total is 302 million, giving us a worldwide opening haul of 455 million dollars, which not too shabby. What we're saying is, fuck you, douchebag cock nozzles. Highway to the danger zone. It was it was particularly impressive because uh, at work, one of my coworkers IM'd me and he's like, "Oh, are you going to see Captain Marvel? The reviews are real bad online." <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "No, I'm not going to trust Rotten Tomatoes. Those guys." those guys hey they hate everything and he responded back yeah i don't like other people deciding for me but they're saying bad things which is one of those all right fine i feel like I, you're I trying to like say things i like take a side here but you don't want to commit <laughs> pretty much yeah so i just told him like no it's fun just see the fucking movie everyone else is going just join them it's a marvel movie you'll have fun that's the thing that weirds me out like people are leaving reviews right now saying it's the worst thing they've ever seen which weirds me the fuck out, because have you seen some of the direct-to-video stuff floating around on Netflix? <laughs> there, there's a real quality control problem on streaming platforms. If you're getting something like Captain Marvel, which I don't know what the budget was, let's guess at $150 million, you know, more than I'll ever have in my lifetime. 
there's going to be a certain base level it's going to reach. Like With that many people involved for a major studio that's in the process of regularly making billion-dollar hits, they, they, they're not going to fuck something up so badly. We're going to walk out and be like, dear God, that yeah. was the worst thing I've ever seen. They will not spontaneously cast Adam Sandler and his friends. Yeah, so I, I get very confused when people use the hyperbole and mention it being atrocious. Like, okay, maybe you didn't like it. That happens all the time. Big blockbusters just don't click with a person. That doesn't mean like you went in there and they didn't finish the CGI or there's weird editing mistakes so scenes don't make sense. Or just, you know, you can see a boom mic in the background for half the shots. You're not going to get it. So people that say that stuff weird me out. I, I just scratch my head. And fuck, on that note, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes right now, the audience score is 57%, which has a lot of people talking because they're, you know, panicking. Oh, well, the audiences don't like it, which will be a goddamn talking point for the next couple of years. They're going to do the same thing with The Last Jedi. Oh, fans didn't like it. But if you look at the cinema score, it's got an A rating, yep. which makes me think something fucky is happening here. Like, trolls oh. only targeted one site, and they forgot that, oh, right, there's other places out there that accumulate scores. Pretty much. Well, I've... I've noticed something fascinating. I've known this with a, a lot of superhero stuff uh, over the past two years. Even when the reviews are altogether good, the negative stuff gets aggregated so much quicker. And I even like by word of mouth, but like things like uh, Twitter, like Facebook trending, uh, Google. I, for the past couple of days, every time I've loaded up my Google app, I'm greeted in their little news you might enjoy section with negative reviews of Captain Marvel, that movie that's getting good reviews. Yeah, like, my, I mean, my, my theater is biased. I saw it uh, opening night, so that crowd is always going to be more excited than the person who sees it, like, three weeks after it premieres. But it was a sold-out theater. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone, this weirded me out. Everyone, like, clapped at the end of the movie. They, they were into it. Uh, I, I know that's anecdotal. You can't apply that to all audiences. I've seen plenty of people online who said it wasn't for them. But again, it, it's so confusing to see the amount of internet hate out there that doesn't seem to really line up with my experiences of the movie in real life. It's almost like there's some sort of biased opinion on it that doesn't have anything to do with the film itself. I'm kind of thinking that many of these bad reviews, <laughs> perish the thought, weren't made in good faith. <laughs> I really want a mixer so I can do just like a gasp sound effect so I don't have to do that myself. That's that's too much work for me personally to to do on the show. You can't be relied upon to do your own stunts. It's too much. Uh, in regards to the uh, like negative views being more uh, readily aggregated, I would say that's probably a product of most people when they see they are given two different headlines for a movie review. If there's one that's clearly uh, it's going to be a positive review, the reviewer liked it, they're not going to click on it. Uh, but most people are dumb and dickbags, and they have uh, schadenfreude. So they're going to see the headline that's uh, snarky. You're saying, like, they're disappointed. A clearly negative review, and they're going to be more likely to click on that to make up their mind than a positive review. At which point, why are you even looking at reviews since you're biased going in? <laughs> I was going to say, that's a hilarious bit of social engineering that tickles the shit out of me. Like, anytime I'm watching a Netflix show, I put put on my phone and Google is recommending negative reviews of that show. Yeah. Hoping that I will hate click it. It's like, why <laughs> are you trying to train me to be a bad person? Like I'm a, you want me to be an attack dog. Well, and there's a point to that too. I mean, 
I, I'd imagine those videos probably drum up a lot more views, which is, is probably yeah. why you don't even see a base number that's bigger of nice, happy, positive things. There, there's going to be more channels that realize, hey, if I piss people off or make a video that slams something, that's controversy, that's clicks, which sucks. Everyone goes seek stuff out like Filmjoy. Go, go find stuff of people celebrating movies. It's way better. And if you don't like the movie, then fuck it. Just ignore it. Just move on with your life. Trust me. I spent a lot of time obsessing over Revenge of the Sith online. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> you can admit that now. Four well, years after our After Revenge all the, the therapy Sith. and the rehab. After you raked in all of your flexo-galactic credits. <laughs> it's okay. I've got my sequels to keep me comfortable. But Captain one Marvel. Thing I, Captain Marvel. One, one other thing I want to say that uh, even if you weren't a fan of the movie... I don't think you can be mad at it because it did get us a Lego set with a young Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> minifigure. <sighs> he's, he's got a gun holster on as a Lego minifigure, which tickles me pink. I can't wait until I build my Lego detective's office so I can make Lego, Lego Samuel L. Jackson the detective in that office. It's going to be great. Oh, so it's just at that point a long kiss goodnight Lego set? Yes. I'm so excited. It's going to be the best. Uh, also, we we got a Talos Skrull minifigure. So even if you don't care about the movie, you now have a Skrull Lego. How fucking cool is that? You can swap his head with any Lego you'd like. I can I can just pretend he's got like a little Slurpee. Uh, also, the set uh, comes with Goose and obviously Captain Marvel. It's only one set. I think it's thirty bucks, but you get all the big players. I'm pretty excited, and that's my main takeaway. Like I don't care about the movie at all. I just wanted the Legos. We've been in the Inquisitor. <laughs> and now we're an ad for the lego company hey this is the quality lego based content that our listeners crave <laughs> lego fans unite i bet they're at home right now playing with their scrolls just like me i'm having a hard time concentrating this interview because i've got captain marvel in my hands with her energy fists it's awesome we're interviewing you <laughs> <laughs> that's what every episode isn't it <laughs> Cody, what's going on with your Lego collecting this week? Ah, boy, uh... That was not a real question! Oh, I had an answer. Um, Well, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, fine. It was semi-related to Marvel. Fine. No, we'll never know. We'll never know now. (sighs) All right, well, fine. 15 minutes into this. What did you guys think of the movie? (laughs) I fucking loved it. It may actually be one of my one of my favorite Marvel movies at this point or maybe my favorite Marvel movie at this point. Granted, biased, I fucking love Captain Marvel all the way, so seeing her step completely off the page perfectly in a tone that is derived solely from one of my favorite writers was fucking incredible. Yeah, I had the same reaction. Like, I can point to a couple of Marvel movies I know are Maybe objectively better from a filmmaking standpoint, but no, hands down, this is my favorite. This feels like it was made for me personally. It's incredible. I liked it, but for me, it's not my, like, top five Marvel films. So, naturally, I'm the negative Ned here. That said, I still had a good time with the movie. I enjoyed quite a bit of it. Loved a lot of fast, like the acting. (laughs) Seeing Samuel Jackson as a young man freaked me out. Like, dear God, that CGI (laughs) is good. The most seamless fucking thing I've ever seen. You that just, was just real. Yeah, you, you don't even see it. I saw someone joking online, like, it's flawless until Samuel L. Jackson has to actually run. And then it's like, oh, right, he's he's an older man. CGI <sighs> cannot fix He was it. just really out of shape. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe uh, you know, he had knee surgery right before the movie. Who knows? What fascinates me is it's not enough that they did the face. Samuel L. Jackson gave a 90s, specifically early 90s Samuel L. Jackson performance. <laughs> That's the fun thing. He's a totally different character than what we're used to. It's it's buddy movie Nick Fury, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we essentially got a decades later tonal sequel to the Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> I'm I'm amazed. I mean, just imagine the doorways this can open in the future. I mean, right now, sure, the tech is expensive, but uh, give it a couple more years, maybe this becomes a little bit easier to do. All sorts of weird legacy prequels are going to start popping up. Pretty much Marvel has been doing the R&D on it solely for the last couple of years. It's all a very long plot to revive Walt Disney, I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) I do seriously wonder how soon until we start getting actors demanding in their contract that they be digitally de-aged. Well, you already get some of that. Just think back to, what was it, X-Men The Last Stand, where they they did some wrinkle removal on uh, Patrick Stewart for a big chunk of the movie. Like I think they've been using this on the download for for a couple of years now. Like okay, we can can spruce this up. No one will have to notice this or that. Just Paul kind of Rudd's doing... been their guinea pig. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Rudd is actually a hundred years old and looks like in real life. Anytime you see a photo of him, that's been touched up in Photoshop. That's actually what happened to Mickey Rooney. He just <laughs> became Paul Rudd. The magic of uh, CGI. I'm sorry, you said Mickey Rooney, and I in my mind translated to Mickey Rourke. I'm like, oh, oh. no, oh that's this worse. Is, this is. The they went too Dorian, far with that one. <laughs> the portrait of Dorian Gray, but in real life, like Paul Rudd stays the same age, and Mickey Rourke just turns more Rorky. <laughs> but yeah, fucking Captain Marvel has such a unique tone to it, despite being, you know, an action adventure Marvel superhero movie, an origin movie technically. At that, like you hit the nail on the head. It sound it feels like a '90s action adventure it feels like you're watching one of the good steven summers movies oh yeah i i love seeing that that tone again like we were just discussing like a couple days ago that we really missed movies like that and to see captain marvel bring that sense back but then also still infuse it with like it wasn't a total like 100 percent throwback there is still modern uh marvel stuff in there which i think enhanced it like it and it made it wholly unique yeah. unto itself well the way that the 90s was handled in general i really appreciate how not over the top it was not kitschy like, nothing in this movie yeah nothing in this movie hits you over the head like the needle drops are the most nostalgic wink at the camera stuff they do two things on that one i am weirded out that people hate no doubt as a needle drop then again, I'm a big No Doubt fan. So for me, it was like, oh, hey, this is fun. I like this oh, Those people are scumbags. People are but dumb. They're horrible. So many, Monsters. So many people are like, oh, it's, it's, it's so obvious. It's not <laughs> subtle enough. It's like, do we, do we need this to be a subtle needle drop? Just fuck it. Go for the fun song. I've heard other people complain that No Doubt just isn't a good song or a good band to punch people to, which is uh, another head scratcher to me. I, yeah, I don't. That's what uh, No Doubt is designed was the for. Marvel the 90s. <laughs> And if so, they had put on spider webs, Carol would have fucking killed those people. I oh, boy. <laughs> I really hope that's part of a sequel. Just her in space destroying galaxies while spider webs plays. <laughs> it's Dark Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> also, when, when, since when are needle drops supposed to be subtle? They're needle drops. Yeah. 
There's no such thing as a subtle needle drop. Even if it's a slow song, it's still not subtle. It's a fucking song invading the film. There's no such thing. And if it's a period piece, that's just the music that was available at the time. That's what it would have been on the radio. I think the complaint goes deeper into, oh, they used Just a Girl, which is uh, one of those bullshit, oh, now they're talking politics. It's, uh, oh, oh, feminism. Uh, I, I think that gets, not everyone, obviously, but I think there's some people that just are like, oh, no, they made me think about equal rights in a movie, so now I'm mad. My brain cannot handle this. <laughs> that's uh, that's when I know to clock out in a review anytime someone brings it up and like, oh, good, they didn't mention as much gender politics as I thought they would. Like, nope, nope, don't need to read anymore. <laughs> if For a moment there, I thought focus, I was going to feel empathy. <laughs> if someone, if, if people writing those reviews could put that bombshell at the start, like in their opening paragraph, then I can leave the conversation much faster. And Just a heads up, I'm a dickbag. Yeah, right. Good. Now I don't have to stick around. I don't have to read 400 words extra. Uh, but we're talking needle drops. I also have to say, I cannot tell you how long I have been waiting for the end credits of a movie to smash cut to celebrity skin. Dreams do come true. Like, that's, that's so specific a thing to do. I, wanna, I said I had two points. I'm going to backtrack. I, we got the, the needle drop part down. Let's go into the second point. I would argue slightly about some of the 90s stuff being way too in your face. And, and it's not a huge deal, but stuff like, where do you keep your communication equipment? And a guy points at a Radio Shack. Like, all right, yeah, we get it. People used to shop at Radio Shack. I don't know. Some of those jokes felt a little flat to me. Like, it was enough just to fall into a blockbuster, but then to do the Radio Shack joke right after felt like I was being clubbed a little bit. I mean, it existed. Yeah. yeah. And the logic joke. of the movie, no, a Radio Shack would be right across the street. <laughs> and they all to just, me, it they just like got the 90s references out. And like, the, all the 90s references were pretty much out between the blockbuster and the Radio Shack. Right. But again, just putting those two together, I don't know, for some reason to me, felt like they were really just cramming them in there. I guess it's only two <laughs> references, but eh. Two references and then one scene, and then we never got another one. Good. I, it, that whole sequence gave us Carol typing, which is my favorite thing caught on film. <laughs> Space lady typing at that. Look, if you're going to do a movie about the 90s without pogs, what's the point? I appreciate <laughs> they still let the computers in the 90s be shitty. <laughs> which, again, is just realistic. That's not even really a joke. That's just, no, that's how long it would take. And we just got a scroll reacting to shitty 90s human technology. Damn, I should make my officer. niece and nephew watch this film and be like, that's what it was like in the dark days. Make them, make them appreciate their, their newfangled technology. How dare they be born after me? I'm curious if you would agree. Do you think this would pretty much qualify as the best prequel ever? Like, I'm hard-pressed to compare it to anything but First Class, and I think it's miles above First Class, which is a movie I, I really like. I didn't it's really it's weird for me it to think of this as a prequel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it fits in before movie the other dealing movies. with previous continuity, I should say. Yeah, uh, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Then again, yeah, how many times do you get a good prequel? Typically, when they go that route, it's like, oh no, stop, wait, there, there's other IPs you can go after. You don't need to bleed this one dry. Godfather Two. <laughs> that, that's about it. Is I think this is the smartest way to go about doing a prequel to a movie universe, like. Don't actually do a straight-up prequel. Just do a new story that takes place in the past of the stories you're used to. That way you can just show people little snippets of stuff and not have to weave together a whole story. 
Yeah, it's fun to go back and visit all those characters again. Like, oh, hey, yeah. cool, there's Coulson with a full head of hair and Ronan beautiful. for like 10 seconds. I Fucking really wish we got Ronan. more of those characters, but I understand it's not their story. Still. Yeah, I was surprised because there's pictures of like Ronan interacting with Star Force and shit, but I assume they decided not to introduce the idea of the accusers until it was dramatically appropriate, so they just cut them out. Yeah, I do I'm, I'm guessing how... there's like 10 minutes on the foot- cutting room floor somewhere from the beginning. I do love how Ronan is brought in to do the one thing Ronan didn't get to do in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is gaze in awe at a Captain Marvel. (laughs) He's now done all of the Ronan things before dying historic dancing. And vow to one day return to Earth for their power. Which, uh, that's not building to anything. He's yeah. just saying that because that's what Ronan has to say. <laughs> Ronan must always swear to return to Earth to destroy Captain Marvel once and for all. <laughs> and now I have two points. Uh, first point is... <laughs> we must only speak in twos. <laughs> uh, the first point is, just while uh, quickly mentioning it, the um, this might be one of my favorite edited standalone Marvel film. Because oh, totally. While, um, besides the fact the editing is really good, like, very good, like, all throughout, and seamless, unlike a lot of standalone Marvel films, sure, you can feel choppiness here and there, where clearly stuff is missing. But also, it's a solid length. You, I know there's stuff cut out. You can see it in trailers, you can see it in, you know, still photos, and don't miss any of it. I feel like what was cut out probably was not essential in any way. It's tight it's not oh if short. it's ronin or colson it's essential that is true and i'm and after like because i worry about this like every time now especially after dr strange which is a later movie it's like <laughs> ooh, what is going to happen so i'm so glad they they let this let this breathe point two um i'm really impressed with the mcu references in the movie because there there's a lot more uh, building blocks put forward in Captain Marvel than I was expecting going in. I thought Captain Marvel was going to be much more standalone other than Young Fury. We'd probably see him lose as a high, maybe. Um, you know, and a couple maybe small things, but even things like Project Pegasus being in there, uh, as previously glimpsed, uh, the Tesseract being dramatically revealed. I loved that. That was that was pretty great. But And they they both do not necessarily add to the movie and they do not take away they feel perfectly placed like they they there are references that exist purpose per- perfectly in the context of the film where they could be replaced with anything they're enhanced they're enhanced slightly by knowing the history of them or where things go later but they uh they don't feel you know jarred in to the film just to like oh we need to get the tesseract in there we need to get project pegasus in there to explain that it's like it's to me, it felt like the best kind of um, uh, prequel uh, origin comic book. Oh, very uh, much so. Where it's using the tapestry of the world to like, let's u- utilize this stuff to build some more interesting building blocks. We don't have to, but let's you know utilize utilize the universe to its fullest. Yeah, and all the wrinkles put forward, nothing nothing is removed with anything we see in Captain Marvel. It only adds new wrinkles and and new things that we can go back and visit like i'm fascinated by the implications that howard stark never gave the tesseract to, to shield yeah like there's a story there there's a story in annette benning as captain marvel 
<laughs> at some point interacting with Howard Stark. Like it is one I could this is all I could think about walking out of the theater. It's entirely plausible one day we'll get another MCU prequel film that's just about Marvel, like coming to Earth in the fifties and hanging out with Howard Stark and going on an adventure. Uh, and meeting Rick that, Jones yeah. or something. Clarifying point for this one. Maybe it's my understanding that's off. With the timeline here of the Tesseract, Stark picks up the Tesseract from the ocean floor after Captain America. Uh, we had assumed he'd given it to S.H.I.E.L.D., but, I mean, wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D. working with Marvel in the first place to make that jet? So that's how she got her hands on the Tesseract? No. And then it essentially Shield. returns home? No, pro- uh, the Project Pegasus uh, Marvel was working on was joint between NASA and the Air Force. And S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't exist at the time Howard Stark found the Tesseract. We just always assumed it eventually went there since he was a founding member, but he, I I guess, appears to have kept it for himself in a very Howard Stark move. And it's like, it makes sense. Why would Howard Stark give a weapon he knows could end the world to some government dudes? No. He didn't see it end the world. It just burned up a Nazi. <laughs> it did good. <laughs> it did. Stone good. It made him Stonekeeper. It made a responsible citizen of the universe. <laughs> he has a job now, guys. Really, the Tesseract's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he made that Red Skull get up and get a goddamn job. <laughs> Isn't that the real hero of the Marvel Universe? No, that's the movie I want to see. The Red Skull getting up each day, putting on his uniform, which I guess is just that shroud, and then going standing at the gate for eight hours before, like, oh. Time to go home. I guess a Thanos didn't show up today. <laughs> he's got a Red Skull wife and kid at home. You know, he's, he's just working for the weekend. I'm going to go to bed Thanks. with the same thought that I woke up to. I'm going to be a better Red Skull tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's been really difficult at the plant, lady. It's just, I haven't thrown anyone down a rocky ravine in, in months. I have a quarter, goddammit. Like, everything Red Skull said to Thanos was a lie. <laughs> Red Skull floats there sometimes it. and just ponders. I wonder what happened with Zola. <laughs> I wonder if he ever got to be a robot it. man. Zola, Zola was a robot man. He probably just called the Red Skull up on his... <laughs> his cosmic telephone. His cosmic telephone. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> we'll go with that, yeah. But uh, in terms of world building here, I, I really loved the Guardians of the Galaxy-esque introductory section with all the Kree stuff. Just, yeah, just yeah. the avenues that it opens up if they ever felt like they wanted to do something with that. That's fun. I don't think they will, but you never know. Also, now we have scrolls on the board, and in a twist, they're not evil? Good scrolls. That was different. Good the most scrolls. Captain Marvel twist of all time. <laughs> Good scrolls with Australian accents. <laughs> Can I just take a moment to say Ben Mendelsohn as Talos maybe one of the greatest sub-villains of all time. I like how they acknowledge, like, oh yeah, this guy is not really much of a threat, but let's make him fun. Let's just make him a character, which is something kind of sorely lacking, I think, from other Marvel villains. It's Marvel's sub-characters in general. You fucking remember Talos like he's a goddamn main character who's gonna join the Avengers next or something. Uh, It'd be fun if he showed back up. I mean... I hope so. He could. How long do scrolls live? They they oh, long time. Know, are Fuck we gonna it, they're fake. Are we are we gonna see an old old Talos? Old uh, man he, Talos returns. He comes back to Earth as the Super Scroll. Oh god! Yes. What a heel turn! 
Or his daughter grows I mean, up to be the Skrull Queen, it's, which it's I could say. too good of a plot device to not have Skrulls be members of the Marvel Universe long-term. Like, you got him in there now? Just think of, like, Marvel loves their fake-out death scenes. You could fucking have Skrulls in there now doing the heavy work. How is Nick Fury coming back? Skrull. <laughs> That's actually the twist of Endgame. They just replace everyone with Skrulls. <laughs> they reproduce like rabbits. It's all fine. We had him look at pictures. They, they, they're fine. But, man, Mendelssohn gives the most un-Mendelssohn performance I could possibly imagine coming from that man. <laughs> like, I, I did not expect an accent. Switching between accents in the same scene just to be evil with accents. <laughs> I finally understand what he, all the weird shit he's been saying in interviews for months. Like, no, he actually does have a completely different f- mode of acting when he's scrolling and when he's not scrolling. <laughs> that was some inside the actor's studio shit, and we just didn't know it at the time. <laughs> we were all too distracted by him sucking on a smoothie at the time. <laughs> Already a meme three days later. <laughs> I love Mendelssohn whenever he's in geek movies, because you can tell he is in love with the fact he's in one of these right now. <laughs> He's so happy he's in a rubber suit. <laughs> God, it was so nice just to see, like, practical scrolls everywhere. I know. Uh, as long as we're talking about acting. We've already covered Jackson, and we've covered Mendelssohn. Uh, it feels like a mistake to not mention Brie Larson here. Again, one of the weird spots you see online, the, the common critique of the film is Larson doesn't have the charisma to pull this all together, <laughs> which is a head-scratcher to me. I, I don't get what they're going at. A lot of people say, oh, everyone else in the movie is so funny, and she's bland and boring, or Mary Sue, and I, I A Mary don't... Sue of what? She, she's strong, strong woman bad. I don't know. I, I, I just get confused. She's not, re- she's not realistic like Captain America. <laughs> I, I really don't understand. We're introduced to a character who is funny in parts. Uh, I still get a kick out of remembering in the fight scene with the Skrulls, uh, the very first one when she's on the ship, she's screaming at them while trying to punch them with the metal gloves. It's <laughs> a fun little character bit. Fucking she... roadhouse fight scene. <laughs> like, that's entertaining. And then she has, you know, great little comedic sides with uh, Samuel Jackson. She's a funny character. Like, not a Jim Carrey type of funny, but I, I don't know what people want from Brie Larson. And it's not like she's reading lines off a teleprompter and not emoting at all throughout the entire movie. I... I'm confused. I don't understand why that's the common complaint from even people I would say who aren't out to ding this movie for weird, like feminist reasons. It's almost like misogyny doesn't make sense. It's, honestly, if Brie Larson weren't already huge, I would say this would be a fucking star-making role from her. Oh, it is. Like she is Captain Marvel the same way Chris Evans is Captain America, the same way Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. Like. No, they're inseparable now. That's just that's just the actor who brought that character to life. Well, besides, with the amount of money they just brought in off of this film, eh, I'm assuming Brie Larson's going to be busy making Captain Marvel movies for like the next you know decade or something. I'm sure we're getting our own Captain Marvel extended universe, <sighs> getting Miss Marvel and Photon movies, and the eventual binary. But of so course. if we, we, well, I'm assuming we're we're going to get a sequel here because of course. Do you think they pick it up after Endgame, or do they try and set it uh, in the 20-year gap of Captain Marvel just flying around the universe fighting the Kree? Feige actually was asked this in um, 
interview, I think yesterday, uh, and he pretty much said both options are on the table and they had not really decided. Because I think it's so interesting. It'd be a lot of fun to see Captain Marvel, like what she was up to for that 20 year period. And it'd be totally divorced from Earth, which I dig. We've got plenty of heroes on Earth. Uh, Let's get some cosmic stuff going on here. That could be a blast. Think of the other characters that can return. We can have the Collector be a villain in a Captain Marvel movie. And you could easily segue, like, fuck it, bring back uh, Clark Gregg and Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson hits the major button. Captain Marvel comes to Earth, scolds him for using it too often, which is why he didn't use it until the world (laughs) ended. (laughs) Until he saw himself turning to ash. That was the last resort. Oh, she's going to be so mad at me, but I gotta click. Going back to character, going back to Carol's characterization. Say that five I, times fast. No. Okay. I think Carol may be the most well fleshed out character in the MCU after one movie. We know so much about her after walking away from this. It's impressive. Like this is just a character study on Carol Danvers. I think this movie does the best job of introducing you to a brand new character than I easily of any of the Marvel movies. I mean, that's what makes the, you've um, watched an entire trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that's what makes the, um, the director's choice originally, I think to everyone was really interesting, but random as hell. Um, like the director's a half Nelson and shits, (laughs) but that's, you know, there was the um, talk recently about, um, you know, the director who met with Marvel for uh, Black Widow um, and Marvel telling her that, you know, they'll handle the, uh, you know, not to worry, they'll, they'll handle the action if need be. Uh, you can just focus on, like, story and character stuff and, and all that. And while there is a bit of fault in, you know, not fully allowing... Um, not not allowing, or at least not fully making sure the directors have 100% uh, a vision for it um, or control. To me, things like this prove that there may be more pros to Marvel's um, comic book publisher method uh, than cons, which there are still cons. But where you can have you know these guys, th- these two come in and very unexpectedly make essentially a... Um, a character study on Captain Marvel, on Carol Danvers. And, you know, the parts there obviously wouldn't be, you know, they're jumping from, you know, small indie movies up to Captain Marvel uh, with nothing in between. And I think that gives them a nice safety net. So you could get something really fucking interesting. So it's hyper-focused on Carol and make sure it's done right. And, you know, Marvel artists can step in and help out and be side by side on things they're, you know, maybe a little bit more out on their out of their depth on. I, I mean, you know, directors stepping in suddenly to a hardcore action movie can either have really great outcomes or come back with come back with really great action ideas if they have that in in them. Uh, sometimes you know they're adept at action, but come with weird ideas like Nolan and Batman Begins. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I like what Marvel does. I know that's, like, such a weird thing, and so so many people are, are kind of against that, or think, you know, Marvel's not filmmaker-driven. I would argue Marvel is way more filmmaker-driven than they're given credit for. Uh, granted, they obviously don't go buddy-buddy with filmmakers as much as I, I feel like they should. 
um, and I hope these directors come back for Captain Marvel too. Um, but you know, they they go through they go after really interesting off the wall talents. You know, it's even one thing to get a James Wan for Aquaman, which is a weird choice still, but he's a very proven director. He's worked with large budgets and he's done various different types of movies, not just horror. So, you know, it makes it actually makes sense, but getting just uh, you know, indie drama directors to do a space epic. That's that's a more fun choice to me. Yeah, that's something that would never happen without what is, for all intents and purposes, the cinematic equivalent of the Marvel method of yeah. writing comics. Like, I know a lot of people get really into the idea of auteur directors and the idea of, no, one man stepped in and he painted his brush across the entire canvas. Honestly, if the second unit director is better at directing action than the director, then... Yeah, let the second unit director do the action. That makes the better movie. Yeah. I have nothing to add other than I'm I'm still very, very sad about Ant-Man. We all <laughs> Everyone will always be sad about Ant-Man, don't you worry. But we got Ant-Man the Wasp out of it. I do enjoy the Ant-Man movies, but in the back of your head, you always have to wonder, what would Edgar Wright's version have been like? The world may never know. Less hope. And on that somber note... Before we leave, we one thing we definitely do need to talk about, uh, just going back to the writing, the amount of Captain Marvel stuff <laughs> they managed to fit into a movie that's only two hours long boggles my mind. She does all of the Captain Marvel things, including becoming binary in the third act. <laughs> the amount of love that was put into that screenplay, like, Specifically, all the stuff they cherry-pick from Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. Like, this almost feels like a fan film, given all the money in the world. Very much so. And it's a great um, distillation of her entire history, and even uh, the history almost of the mantle of Captain Marvel and the, of the characters who've, who've used it, all, all you know, boiled down to a single, unique origin story. That's what was so great about um, the the twist of um, gender swap Marvel. It's like, oh yeah, if you're out doing of nowhere thing in the world, yeah, and if you were doing Marvel as an origin character for Carol instead of um, you know his own thing, like yeah, it makes sense to to gender swap Marvel because you know it it just works better for for Carol's story. Make and you know aging Marvel up. Into you know one of the um, Carol's had uh, older women mentors in her life throughout the comics, so making Marvel into one of those is perfect for a Carol origin story. If you were starting there, and it's the kind of touch that only a fan would put in, which I really like. Like again, you can tell there is so much affection for those characters and for that universe. Also, Annette Benning as the Cree Supreme Intelligence is the funniest fucking thing in the world to me. <laughs> Dance with her costume and her glowing eyes. <laughs> Annette Benning was the fucking Supremor. In the same movie, she was also Captain Marvel. She conceivably had nega bands at some point. <laughs> and her arch enemy is still Yon Rock. <laughs> okay, by the way, can I just say, of all the villains 
Marvel has wasted by killing at the end of movies. <laughs> Fucking Yonrog is the one who gets to live. And uh, yeah. he gets he gets like slapped around silly. He has been removed as a threat to pretty much everyone. At this point, like Rocket Raccoon with his hands tied behind his back would be more of a threat to Yon to, to Yonrog than anything. No, that's perfect. That's setting him up as the perfect revenge villain so that he could return as Magnetron. <laughs> Jesus Christ. To then immediately be defeated as well. armor. <laughs> I will say, I really did enjoy the final confronta- confrontation with him. Just, I saw on, on a forum, someone mentioned it's basically like Ben Shapiro running around screaming at people, Debate me! <laughs> I love that so much. It's such a great encompassing of Carol as a character. Like, that's when I... Like, that was, okay, they, no bullshit, this character's taken directly off the page. Like, that's Carol right there. And Like I was talking about with Mike uh, before we recorded, I'm so glad that Captain Marvel is not a villain movie, because Captain Marvel is never really a villain character. That would be so weird and against type. For, like, if they fucking built up Yon Rog like he was Thanos or something. I like how he just fulfills the role of being a dude who tells Carol she can't do something. <laughs> like, he, he is the asshole boss in an 80s romantic comedy. And I just want to say, we never saw Minerva's body. <laughs> Space Corpse, you decide. We know Korath she- was fine, so. <laughs> Korath deeply shaken by the things he saw. He's a changed man. And very handsome. (laughs) I want to go on that note. I think that's the way to go. (laughs) Korath, what a looker. Anyways, folks, this has been Box Office Pull. Thank you for joining us. If you want to find more of our content, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, We're on iTunes. Just look for Box Office Pulp, and you'll find more of... I was going to say this sweet, sweet honey, but I don't know if that applies. More of our words. We say things many times. Anyways, thanks for joining us. Have a good night. Can that be on a t-shirt somewhere? Box office pulp. We say things many times. (laughs) I I think the many times needs to be all over the shirt, like in a pattern. (laughs) And like that, he's gone. And now... For another edition of Rotten Tomatoes Audience Review Theater. It is a great movie. It finally shows that Howard is not the lamest hero of them all. Space empires without FTL drive need Earth tech to fly to space? WTF. There is a reason why Goose the Cat is the most important and destructive part of this franchise, undermining Nick Fury as badass. I will not even talk about non-existing emoting of the title hero. If you liked SW8, you will like this one. The film adds nothing new to the genre. The film is not really inspiring in the way that Wonder Woman is or Sarah Connor is in Terminator. It relies on lots of tropes of men coming off as condescending. Sadly they also changed the name of her cat in the story which is disappointing. 
The opening sequence that was honoring Stan Lee was the best part. The story could have been better. When she finally had her full power she was in the middle of a fight, and yet she was screaming woohoo during a serious moment. Very childish for a Marvel movie which is meant for people of all ages including children. It felt like anyone that made it was working on Endgame and that this film was picked up by whoever was left. Very Beth film. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.